0: Welcome to this talk from Emmaus Road, a church with congregations in Guildford, Woking, and Aldershot in the UK. To find out more about who we are and what we're up to, please visit us online at emmausroad.com. Thank you. Hey, good morning. Uh, well done for being here I've actually I've turned I don't know if you turn you, you have notifications on your phone I've turned mine off because actually not only have we got the lionesses going and um, playing football this morning but my son my youngest son is also in a cricket final and um, and so and my wife uh, you know there's kind of different ways of you know communicating my wife is definitely an over communicator I would be an under communicator and so I get sort of you know. Old great ball, you know, whatever. So I've turned it off because otherwise I'm just going to be so distracted by what, I've, uh, what, what I'm trying to share because they'll keep coming through. So anyway, um, I just want to share one. Well, I'm, I'm thankful for lots of things, and I just want to share three of them really quickly before I start, if that's okay. So the first thing that I am thankful for is for you. Um, I love being part of this church um, I don't know all of you at all. I know lots of faces, and I kind of recognize sometimes if there's someone uh, new because they're sat in a seat that normally someone else is sat in, um, or um, or they're up in the heavens enjoying the glory like Paul up there, and Rafi, good to see you, um, and, um, uh, but I'm just thankful for community. I'm thank thankful for just being part of a church where you know, we love Jesus, uh, we love people and we want to uh, transform the community around us I love being part of that and I love those of you who I know I love those of you who don't know I'm looking forward to getting to love um, but I'm really thankful for you second thing that um, I am thankful for is I'm thankful for the band all the band I thought you're fantastic this morning Rachel smashed it um, Matt brilliant but um, I'm particularly thankful for Pete, I just, Pete Sheath. he just, like, most of you won't notice, but I'm at, like, he just sits there and he quietly tinkles away, and if you listen, he's just doing something really extraordinary with something that, you know, lots of people wouldn't, and I turn around to tell his wife, Joey, like, oh gosh, this is amazing, she's lost in wonder, love and praise as well, so anyway, but I'm thankful for Pete, and I'm thankful for the way, if, it, if it's an up moment, you're kind of really going for it, and if it's a quiet moment, you're just kind of quietly sort of tinkling those ivories, and, you know, doing what you do, and uh, it just sounds beautiful. So that's the second thing that I'm thankful for, musicians. And the third person I'm thankful for is a guy called Peter Walker. And um, he was my, one of my New Testament lecturers when I was at theological college. And he's just sat at the back there somewhere. Give us a wave. They, they is. And I don't know if he's with some of um, his friends from, from his church, Itchen Valley Parish. And um, I'm thankful for him. And it, not often in life you get a chance... You know, many years later, to say actually how thankful for you are for the people who've invested in you and made a difference in your life. At the time, sometimes you don't realise it. All you think about is the essays you've got to write and the lectures you're sitting in, but I'm so thankful for him. And not just for his investment in me, but his investment in a whole generation of uh, church leaders uh, when he was a lecturer at the theological college I'm at. So I'm really thankful for you, Peter. It's lovely to see you. I feel a little bit of pressure, if I'm being honest, Um, And also, if you don't like it, it's his fault. (laughs) Um, But what I'd love to do is I'd love to pray for him. I'd love to pray for the Etching Valley Parish as well. So um, let's just pray for them. Father, thank you for Peter. Thank you for his investment in so many church leaders over so many years. And, um, Lord, the church in this country uh, owes a debt to him that uh, it probably doesn't realize and he will have no idea about. But um, talking to friends over the years who have just done amazing things for you, sometimes big, sometimes small, he has been, he was there when it, you know, sort of began and when the training was happening. So I want to thank you for him. And Lord, we want to pray for his parish, Lord, that you would use that to be a beacon of hope and light and life for all around. Would you pour out your spirit on him, on them, on his family? And Lord, we thank you for the blessing that it is and it will continue to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so uh, I got, I think it's probably the shortest parable in the Bible. I don't, like, I'm thinking, I'm looking nervously at Peter and wondering what, I've got two Peters in my life this morning, got Peter Peter there and Peter there. So... um, Anyway, let me read it. Um, it's Matthew thirteen forty four to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. Let me just read that for you again. So what I want to do this morning, if it's okay with you, is I want to share a tiny little bit of context. I want to explain the parables. I mean, they're fairly self-explanatory. And then I just want to talk about what that might mean for us. So um, you'll know this, we're in the parable series, and this is the first parable that we've done that is not in Luke's gospel, it's in Matthew's gospel. And what you need to know is that this is a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. For the first 12 chapters of Matthew's gospel, he's been talking to the Jews, the so kind of the people of God, and he's been talking to them as the people of God. But it's clear in Matthew 12 that they have rejected him. They don't want him. They don't want, has what he ha- wants, what he has to offer. And so at this point, he turns and he's starting to talk to the the disciples. And one of the markers of that is the change in language. And one of the changes in language is this is the first time in Matthew 13 that the word parable is mentioned. And it's like a signifier that um, something is happening, that there's a change in the emphasis of the teaching. He's like saying to the disciples, right, lean in, lean in. They don't want to know, uh, lean in, I want to tell you what the kingdom of heaven is like, I want to tell you what I'm inviting you to be part in. lean in, lean in, this is just for us for now, lean in. And we're, this is the beginning of the lean in. And um, he is, Jesus is looking to the disciples to be the foundation of the new Israel, the new people of God after Israel, the, you know, the kind of religious um, and nation have rejected him. And it's called a post-turning point for those of you who are interested in those things. And what he starts saying is the kingdom of heaven is like this. This is, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. This is what it's like. And he tells these two stories. And they're both about, well, they're about finding something. In, um, in one case, uh, the person wasn't looking for anything. They just found it. And the other, uh, they were. So let's look at the hidden treasure first of all. Uh, As I said, in the the parable of the hidden treasure, what you need to know is is that um, in those days, and probably still now, actually, uh, people didn't hold their wealth uh, in banks all the time. Uh, I know now that's, you know, not acceptable and you know, fraud and all of stuff, but in those days, um, people hid, hid their valuables, their treasures, not in the house, because they're worried about either war or they're worried about it being stolen. So what they would do is they would gather their treasure together and they would go and find a nice spot somewhere, they'd dig a hole, they'd bury it, and, you know, like Pirates of the Caribbean, whatever, they'd put an X, they'd have a treasure map, whatever, and they would... Uh, know where it was. Uh, what happened sometimes is that uh, they died, and their treasure was left in the ground. Other times, um, other times war happened, and the land was taken over by somebody else, and it was still there, but they couldn't get to it. And what seems to have happened in this parable is that there's a guy, you know, playing field whatever, and he's minding his own business, not really thinking about anything, and clunk, and clunk, clunk again. And He's like, there's something, there's something down here. Now, um, what marks him out from maybe me is that makes him curious. He goes, I wonder what's down there. Um, I was, um, um, what's it called? Uh, we got weeds in our garden. I was using what what's that thing called? You know that you, uh, ho- I was hoeing this bit of our garden the other day. Um, uh, I'm a very proficient hoer, and um, and I hit something. And I, I, like in my family, well, Nicky would want me to tell you this, on my side of the family, not on her side of the family, but my mum does it as well. Like you give something a bit of a poke, and um, you know, uh, and, and if, you, you know, if it wasn't broken before, it's definitely broken afterwards. Anyway, you give it a bit of a poke, couldn't work out what it was, so I just carried on going. And I have no idea what I hit, uh, probably a true root, but I wasn't really bothered in trying to dig it, dig it up, I just wanted to hoe the garden and you know, go inside. For for some food. Um, If it had been Nikki, she would have, you know, got out the spade and done an excavation and we would have found Roman ruins and, you know, like, you know, our lives would have been changed forever. So it's probably still down there in the bottom of our garden. Um, But he digs it up and he finds this treasure. And so what he does is he thinks what I'll do is I'll hide it again, I'll buy this field. And then I will own the treasure. And the way that it worked in Jewish law at the time is like you could do that. If you found treasure, you could claim it. So you had to own the thing first, but you couldn't be like, oh, I bought this field and there was bizarrely some treasure in it from someone who owned it before. Who do I give the treasure to? You just got to keep it. So uh, he, um, he buys this field and he kept it because he realized how valuable it was. And isn't it amazing how... God hides himself in plain sight. This treasure is hidden almost in plain sight. You know, you've know, got to do a little bit of digging, but it's there, not far below the surface. Treasure waiting to be found. And when he found it, he knew how valuable it was. So, as I said, he sold everything to, to buy this treasure. Now, I don't, I don't know about you, but again... In my family, there would have been a cost-benefit analysis going on. How much is this treasure worth? How much is this field worth? We're going to sell everything we have to buy this treasure. Is this treasure going to be worth You know, all that sort of thing. But this farmer knows it's worth a lot, so he, he does that. And something that was hidden in the ordinary transforms and changes his life. Hidden... In the ordinary, now we see God hiding Himself in the ordinary all the time, don't we? Um, story of Moses, he's walking through the desert, looking after sheep, and there's a there's a bush that's on fire, but they're not burning. Pretty, I mean, bushes on fire is like pretty normal. And at that point, he could have, he could have been like me. Oh, that's interesting. Da 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 da. on walking the dog, whatever. But he pushes in and he goes and sees. And it's, and it's when we get curious that we suddenly are surprised by God meeting us there in that place, doing that thing. When was the last time you recognized God hidden in the ordinary? When, when, when was the last time you, you saw something over there and you thought, that's... that? Bush is on fire, but it's not burning. I'm just going to go and check that out. Or when was the last time you were in your garden, if you have one, and you thought, nah, tea time. (laughs) When was the last time you pushed into that thing that was hidden in plain sight in front of you where God wanted to surprise you? I was talking to a friend recently, and... um, their family had been out in Rome, and they'd been to, you know, to all the kind of you know the you know the kind of places you go to in Rome, the Colosseum, and then they'd been to the cathedrals, and they'd been to the Vatican, and all the rest of it. And and I just said, what like what's your what happens to you when you go in these places? And my friends have a faith, definitely. Um, but i I'm not sure it like it connects with them I mean you know they are spirit. they'd say they're spiritual people um, and uh, the wife definitely has a, a faith of of, of sorts but I said, you know what happens to you know you go into this building and it you know, like do, are you struck by anything and, and well, it's just kind of an amazing building isn't it and I said, do you ever you know you're trying to tease out of someone like you know and I said, you know I just do you ever look at it and think, "Gosh, this building is just so magnificent and so extraordinary"? And do you ever, do you ever just think, "Gosh, this just reflects God in some way"? And they're like, "Yeah, kind of, I guess." And I understand that not everyone is an architecture person. I am. Um, and then I th- and I said, "Like, well, do you know, do you ever, are you ever like, you know, walking the dog, and you just like you're out." In the field one day, and you just feel connected to something bigger than yourself. And I could see this person just kind of, like, try, try, you know, so that everything's moving in the brain, and and like, yeah, I guess kind of. And I said, I, and they said, do you? And I said, I said I do. I said, you know, I, I. I for me, like, it happens in lots of places, but I, I feel like God is waiting to be found. He's like, And I literally said, he is like treasure waiting to be found. You know, we don't even sometimes have to go look for him. He's already there. And I, and I could see the cogs again turning and turning. And a friend said, I guess, yeah, I do. I kind of feel like I'm part of something bigger than me. And I said, you know, that's like, do you... How do you connect with that how do you what do you do with that and he said i don't I don't know what to do with that. I just you know you kind of feel connected to something you feel a sense of i'm putting words in, in the mouth but awe and i but the point is and I said, maybe God is hiding himself in the ordinary, maybe he i said, I believe God wants to be found. it may not be a field, it may not be a building but Where for you is God waiting to be found? And what do you do when you find him? What do you do when you find him? A friend of our family years ago worked for a large burger chain that was not McDonald's. I just want to make that clear. And uh, he was in charge of marketing, and they did this whole elaborate, you know, marketing campaign, and they had this find the treasure, and there was a, a, literally a treasure box buried somewhere, and it had a check for, I don't know, let's say 10,000, a lot of money, um, you know, not, well, I mean, for some people, a life-changing amount of money, let's say 10,000 pounds, and this is like 30 years ago, so a lot of money. And you know there'd been this big national advertising campaign, and the point was you found you know, it started on the Monday, and it was it was going for two weeks, and every day you know like uh, uh, another pit, bit of the you know the, the it was like a treasure map, you know, so you had to find one thing and then it lead you to, another. and you know uh, uh, and then and and so this guy he's called Simon, he he decided to get ahead of the game, so you know he'd he'd got everything ready and and. The, uh, the, um, the treasure hunt started on the Monday morning. And on the Friday evening, five o'clock, someone phones up and said, I've just been on Worthing Beach and I found this treasure chest. And it's got a, it says, phone this number, congratulations, you've won £10,000. Which was unfortunate because, as I said, the treasure hunt wasn't supposed to start until the Monday, and and Simon had sort of got ahead of himself and thought, "I'll just bury them all, Uh, you know, and then you know no one's going to find them." Uh, Unfortunately, there'd been a storm, so it'd washed the sand away. So, like this treasure chest was literally exposed just below the surface on Worthing Beach, and um, you know uh, this unnamed but possibly with King, somewhere in its, uh, in its, in its uh, title, uh, Burger Chain had to pay off uh, this person as well as the <laughs> actual person um, um, because they had to rebury the treasure <laughs> and pretend none of it had happened. Um, I think actually the person who found it first did better than the person who didn't because I think they won money and then they won a little bit extra for not telling anybody uh, <laughs> uh, what had happened. But what do you do? What is your response when you find God hidden in the ordinary? Do you push in? Do you recognize the value of the moment? Or do you just carry on plowing? Carry on walking the dog. Carry on whatever it is you're doing. And in the words of a guy called Eugene Wallace, get lost to the miracle that has just fallen into your lap. I know I do it. All the time, because I don't know about you, but my life is, I've got lots going on. I've got three children of various different ages, you know, football matches, cricket matches, you know, bike thing, you know, dropping Nicky off somewhere them she goes go cycling, whatever. Life is busy and it's, you know, you get, we get distracted. And we're in a rush. Everyone's in a rush all the time. And we, these miracles, these moments, these treasure just keeps being dropped into our lap. And, and what do we do? Do we stop? Do we just recognize God's presence in a moment? Do we allow him to meet with us on his terms? There's one time I was driving the car and I, I like I I love like sunsets and all that sort of stuff, and um, and we're driving along and like the kids are, you know, on the, they don't actually look like that, but that's my you know, <laughs> they're on their devices. You know, there's this beautiful scenery. You know, we're driving past Stonehenge. You know, one of the World Heritage sites. I um, oh, look there's Stonehenge, um, and um, anyway, it's this beautiful sunset and. I pulled the car over, and I just said, look out the window. And after a little bit, uh, you know, anyone who's got teenage children will know, you or know, have experienced that. If you haven't, you will. And particularly if they're boys, um, though not exclusively, obviously. And, um, and they, to be fair, they did. They stopped, and they looked, and they are like, that's nice. And that's amazing. Like, this is just like, what a. And I'm trying to get them to recognize, like, these extraordinary moments. It's just not this beautiful, which it was. It's like, hey, boys, in this moment, we could just be thankful. Like, isn't God amazing? Like, He has given us a a painting this evening, like, you know, something extraordinary. We'll never have a sunset like this ever again. We'll have other ones, but we'll never have this one in this moment. Let's just be thankful. Let's just. Thank you, Lord, that you're here in this moment. Let's use this as an access point to access his presence and his goodness. Treasure hidden in plain sight. Second parable. This is someone who is a professional, like treasure searcher, treasure seeker, like the Indiana Jones of the New Testament. He's looking for treasure. And I guess he's looked for treasure long enough that he knows the difference between something that's worth quite a lot and something that's worth a lot, lot. And we don't know how many pearls he's found before, but as soon as he sees this one, he knows this is the one. This is the pearl. This is what he has been looking for. He's not... He's seen... Not so much pearls, plenty of times. And he's always stayed focused on finding the pearl of great price, and now he's found it. He's not been blinded by the superficial. He's not allowed himself to lose his sense of intent. It's so easy, isn't it? It would be so easy for this guy uh, to have found other pearls before and thought, that's it. Quid's in you know, pack up, retire, whatever. But there's something in him that knows he hasn't found what it is he's really been looking for until this moment. And when he is, he does not allow himself to be distracted by anything else. And my question to myself, I was mowing the lawn yesterday. Yes, I till and I mow. Uh, £10 an hour um, (laughs) is what my children charge. Um, And um, I was just found myself having a conversation with myself Bill, how often have you settled for counterfeit? How often have you settled for the nearly pearl? How often in your life have you lost your sense of intention because you've satisfied with what you, you know, the pearl that's worth something but not quite as much? And I guess my question to you is to all of us is, Are there things in your life? Are there things in my life? There are definitely, definitely, definitely things in my life that are counterfeit, that are not the real thing. But I have persuaded myself that they are, and I've settled for them. You know, I'm, as some of you know, I'm training to be a, um, a counselor. Um, at the moment. And one of the things that we're taught really early on is that three people, people are essentially looking for three things. They're looking for significance, self-worth, and security. All of us are doing that all the time in, in different ways. And ultimately, as a Christian, what I believe is that my self-worth, my significance, and my security ultimately come from being in Christ. At least that's the, the theory. But just being really honest with you, oftentimes I settle for a little bit less than that. I settle from getting my self worth from um, what other people think of me. I get my uh, sense of self worth from uh, how fit or healthy, or at the moment not, I am. I get my sense of Security or significance or self worth from all sorts of other places, people, and things. And I'm learning to recognize when I'm doing that and and pull myself out of that. Because I know ultimately those things will not satisfy. They are not the pearl of great price. They are a really, really, really great, mostly imitation of those things. They are not that thing. What is the nearly pearl of great price? For you? What is the thing that nearly, nearly gives you that sense of security, significance, and self-worth? What is the, the nearly thing? The thing that has maybe stopped you, stopped me continuing to search, continuing to press in, continuing to look for that thing. What what is it for, for you? Because it, Again, what I'm learning, and I'm, I'm on a journey like everybody else, is that um, you know, we can fool ourselves and we can convince ourselves that something is the thing when it's not the thing. A relationship is the thing, or our job is the thing, or our, our particular ability is the thing. That's not the pearl. We can convince ourselves that being kind to people is the thing. That's not the thing. That's not the pearl. We can convince ourselves that um, doing all sorts of good things for God is the pearl. That's not the pearl. So, as I mowed the lawn yesterday, I just... What I thought was... If I knew how much that, what an incredible pearl that was, I wouldn't allow myself to be blindsided, allow myself to settle for less, settle for instant coffee rather than the real thing. And I guess my other question, sorry, there are more questions than answers this morning, is do we realize when Jesus says, lean in, listen in, listen in. The kingdom of God is like this. It's like a pearl that someone went looking for and they found it. They found it at the bottom of the sea. They had been searching and searching and searching and they found it and they saw everything because they recognized what they had found. Have we recognized what we found? Have we allowed it to transform our lives? And then change the lives of everybody around us? Because instant coffee is so much easier. It costs us nothing or a lot less. If you found it, has it cost you everything? Let's stand together. I'm going to get the band up in, in a minute. Or maybe now, even. <laughs> I didn't realize they're standing there, and I'm like, in a minute, that was kind of like, we'll play in a minute, but you know, you get the drift. Um, I just want to pray for us. Sorry, I, those of you who wanted a deep exposition, it wasn't that. It's just like, what I love about the parables is they just provoke questions. They should make us question things. They should make us reflect on things. They're like crystals, you know, they're fractals. They bounce off in all sorts of different ways. So what I'm going to do is I'm gonna, There's kind of maybe three categories of people that I'd love um, to, um, to pray for. Now's a good moment, Pete. <laughs> um, and um, the first is... Um, you have, maybe you're here and you just are aware that you've just lost your sense of curiosity. That you feel the thing in the ground and you're like, carry on hoeing. You see the sunset and you're like, that's nice, whatever it is. And you've just lost that sense of curiosity that God has put in us because it pushes us or should do towards him. Maybe it's because you're tired, maybe it's just because of life maybe it's just because and this morning God wants to put back in you that sense of curiosity that when you feel that resistance when you hear that chink under the ground you're like, what's that? so that's the first category of people the second category of people are people who have allowed themselves maybe you're here and you're like me, and you recognize there are parts of your life, maybe big, maybe small, where you have settled for the counterfeit that you've stopped searching because you're like, this will do. This fills my sense of security, self-worth, and significance. This will do. Or maybe you've tried to fill it with other things, other people, other, you know, stuff. And none of it bad, but none of it the real thing. Or maybe you're the third category and you're like, do you know what, I have just forgotten what this treasure is worth. It has lost its currency in my life. Seems like this morning is a perfect opportunity to set those things right or begin the journey of setting those things right. And I guess it starts with a decision. I'm gonna decide to be more curious. I'm gonna decide not to settle. I am gonna decide to chase after this thing that I know is the most precious, most extraordinary thing in the world. So whichever category you're in, I'm gonna invite you, if you're comfortable, just to hold your hand out hands out. And the reason we do this, like, it's not magic. It's because what we do when we put our hands out, at least, is if I was to come up and give you a a gift, in order for you to receive it, you would have to hold out your hand. You can't receive a gift with your hands behind your back. And maybe God wants to give you a gift this morning. Maybe he wants to give you himself. Because he He is the treasure of great price. He is the pearl. Only him. Only him. Only him. And what happens is exchange goes on. You say, I'll I'll give you my lack of curiosity. Will you give me curiosity? I'll give you my um, settling for less and he'll give you wanting more. Jesus, thank you that you are here by the power of your spirit. Thank you that just as you said to the disciples, you're saying to us, there's treasure to be found. There is treasure to be found. Whether you're looking for it or whether you're not, there is treasure to be found. And the treasure is me. We're sorry, Lord, for the substitutes we settle for, the counterfeits we settle for. We're sorry that we allow our crazy busy lives, our stuff, to get in the way of being curious. Lord, what we want is you. We just want you. More of you. Would you remind us of your amazingness, of your awesomeness, of your majesty, of your relentless love for us, of your glory. And Lord, would you put in us hunger for you, hunger for you. come Holy Spirit let's just allow him to move amongst us Thank you, Lord. So, Father, we thank you for what you are doing amongst us and in us as a church, as a family. Lord, we pray that you would continue to grow in us that hunger and that anticipation for you, that we would be able in turn to show the world the kingdom of God like this, from my friends who haven't quite connected who you know, kind of are not sure kind of that I'll be able to see the kingdom of God's like this this is what it looks like, this is, this is what it is, this is the pearl this is the thing that no amount of fancy holidays or this is the thing that no amounts of hard work or this is the thing that no amounts of stuff can replicate This is the thing worth going all in for. This is the one who is all, who is worth going all in for. Thank you, Lord.